Nathan, what level do you think I am? It's like a human being. I cannot give a specific number. You have earned many experience points, more than I have. You, you, you said earned. You almost, but not quite, chased down the leopard that you had let loose on my, <laughs> on my ego and self-esteem by saying spent. Because you can, spent, that's the same as misspent. I know what that means. That means that I've wasted those experience points. <laughs> You've earned I, and, and earned wasted. Those, that's what I was just, yeah, that's all, that's all. See, it's not what level you are, it's what skills have you gained. I'm Will Hindmarch. I'm a writer, narrative designer, graphic designer, and game designer. I'm Nathan Pletta. I'm an independent game designer, self-publisher, and graphic artist. What are we talking about this week on the Design Games Podcast, Will? This episode hinges on character progression and experience points. Just a heads up for our patient listeners. This episode has a little bit of audio quality mismatch as we continue our learning journey of how to do a podcast. Uh, thanks for bearing with us, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. And in, in Diablo and that kind of game, like that's just that's just how the game is, right? There's no like fictional, real. Right, it's layer. not addressed. It's not really addressed. Yeah. And and when we address it, we are being metafictional. Yeah. And in Destiny, blurs that boundary. And I think it's interesting because I, there's a question to me as to how much it has to do that because it's sci-fi and in fantasy has tropes and has years and years and years of D and D and its habits are impressed on fantasy. Mm-hmm. So the Diablo, we just go, yeah, whatever. That's just how that works, mm-hmm. right? As genre, whatever. Don't worry well, about even it. the whole idea of, of experience points uh, is essentially a trope. It's like it's just this abstract currency that you get for doing stuff and usually for killing stuff, and that's across like all games. Right? Yeah, you know? it's a happily absorbed. Yeah, the, the uh, term, imaginary metric. Some some games might do a, a better job of others of being like, here's what this is measuring. But yeah, it's it's perfectly acceptable. You know, oh, does it have XP? Okay, what do I get for you know? How do I get XP? Right. How, how do I spend it? How do I interpret that, that there's an understanding about that it's an expression about what the game is on one level cares about but doesn't want to spend all of our time worrying about. Right. Right. It's a, it's a known form of polish. It's a known shortcut. It's a, mm-hmm. and it's an accepted. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a trope, but not always a bad one. Right. No, it's not. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, functional. It's just, it's just yeah, a, it's a tool. Yeah. It's a tool. And I guess one, one could go about using that as the, hinge to to critique that right if you right. start doing a game where it's like all right what if every a dnd dungeon crawling game but everything you kill gives you exactly one xp you know why would you ever try to kill a dragon yeah. i would just find as many kobolds as i could or whatever what an awful terrible <laughs> inhumane gruesome thing to think about <laughs> right but it's like that's you know uh we're skeletons they're dead anyway yeah when do you when do you take an abstraction and decide to use it as the core of your game design inquiry there are two little things about that. One is a, is a quick aside, but I love as an example of that. The first, I've seen people at, our, at, at RPG forums actively rail against, attack the notion of the hit point. Mm-hmm. But the XP almost never gets that same level mm-hmm. of scrutiny or a vitriol. And I've done it. I've had this argument on both sides. I've done it both ways, where I say hit points are deeply unrealistic, and what is their point, and, or their purpose. And then I say, on the other hand, thank God they're unrealistic. I I don't want to have to... I want my character to be able to survive more than one claw attack from a dragon that weighs 80 tons just mm-hmm. while we're talking about realism. Right. And, um, but it's fascinating how XP is in many ways immune to that. In fact, XP is migrating into real life. Well, that... I mean, that abstraction is, is the basis of gamification. Right. Where, like, you do stuff, you get some kind of reward point, 
um, or metrics and you cash those in or accumulate badges or awards or whatever. E even when it is for yeah, you know whatever your gamified activity of choices. And that gamification because that's the positive. That's the that's the accrual mm -hmm. as opposed to the diminishment. More and more, I find that I don't particularly care for the spending of experience because it results in characters changing in ways that are not, or can, and often reflects and rewards characters changing in ways that are about the future, not about the past. So it's characters preparing for the future, which is cool, but not to me what experience is for, as opposed to characters reflecting what they've been through. That's a, a inquiry into... What, what is does, an experience point? Yeah, what is an experience point? What does yeah. experience represent? The shorthand that is that is common to us as tabletop designers is that experience is this abstract metric that represents the experiences, the, the ability that your character has had to survive mm -hmm. the events of the game to a certain point give you this resource to, as you say, prepare your character to survive more in different way, new ways, different ways. Right. But yeah, you could turn that on its head in all kinds of ways. Yeah, absolutely. I, one just now, even that when you when you when you when you phrase it that way, that I think that this is another freebie for the for the audience. Although I'm going to try to tinker with this at some point. Experience points are to a certain extent the coinage, or can be a coinage of shared authority for the player. And there are lots of ways to see this actually. But is that if I get an experience point and I spend it to buy a thing, I am saying I want this thing to come up or I want this thing to not screw me like we talked about before in, in how. Yeah, and like flags, player flags, character yeah. flags, yeah. But so to a certain extent, that's authority in saying I want, I'm taking the hunt goblins feat and I'm paying XP for it because I want to hunt goblins. I want there to be goblin hunting in this game or I want there to be hunting goblins between sessions and to be clear that my character is, has been, will be, or is involved in hunting goblins, whatever. And I wonder, wonder what, what there's to be gained from physically detaching these in a game in which I earn XP to hit level five. When I hit level five, I get a certain amount of preparations, things that I can spend so that my character is preparing for this thing in the future that may or may not happen because I just spent the damn points on it. Well, that's kind of how preparation works in Night's Black Agents, which I have not played long term, so I actually don't know whether Pre you can increase those pools with You experience. can, yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, an uh, example I can use in... in expression and preparedness and so forth in gumshoe games like nice black agents is preparedness is not a it represents the fact that your character is more prepared than you are so you roll you you spend these points and roll the die to see if you if your character brought the right thing well of course I, you know of course i have a backup copy of the usb drive i'm not an idiot or whatever it is there are quotation marks around that i never have a backup copy of the usb drive but that's a specific ability preparedness. Build points and XP are in Gumshoe are the same thing. You get points that just add to the build points for your character. There's no complex relationship between skill points and XP and so forth. So should characters only get better? Is that how that works? Characters should just improve and improve and improve and improve? Because that's not how like people work. Right, but at what point are we playing games to replicate how people actually work? That's actually rather rare in my experience. That's not even how people in genres work. And games are often designed to represent genres. I wonder how much genre storytelling has learned from character progression in games in addition to the other way around. Two things. One, I think in most genre-driven gaming, the disadvantages and, and bad stuff is generally short-term and narrative, while the character growth is long-term and permanent like good stuff, right? 
you may experience a short-term consequence of your action, but in the long term, your character progression is probably going to overcome it or cancel it out or it heals on its own or something like that. Interesting, yeah. I'm not, I don't disagree, but the, the question that I have as a follow-up is how much of that is a difference between character progression and character expression? Right. How much is right, a, a D&D fighter or many of the playbooks in, 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 in various Powered by the Apocalypse games, for example, become more and more of themselves they just become more and more powerful statements of what they already are, mm-hmm. as opposed to, for example, Conan himself, barbarian, thief, warrior, king, changes so much over the course, without necessarily changing in a fundamental way, still Conan that whole time, right? but changes in a way that, that so much of the genre of fantasy gaming does not allow, because it is coming from a gaming place first, which is to say, there are four people at this table and they can't all be Conan. So we've divided Conan into four roles. Right. But at the same time, there's also the question of, to me, character progression versus character change. And yeah. one of them is very commonly expre- is very commonly tackled, character progression. And one of them is very rarely approached, character change. I think you often see change as a subset of the progression. And the change is generally additive. You know, when you gain experience, you can get a new skill. And my warrior is now going to start learning diplomacy or whatever. That's character change, right? Changing what he's yeah, able it's added to do, more expansive. Yeah. But it's just it's adding a new wing onto the the mansion of you know his warrior abilities. There have been games in which skills can atrophy. There have been games. Yeah. I mean, I generally, I don't, I don't, I so seldom use those rules. Yeah. Well, part of it, right, is that uh, getting new stuff is kind of intrinsically fun and rewarding. You know, you get new toys to play with. You get uh, a new thing to do. You get a new spectrum of possibilities opened to you where you might be bored with your current one. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of just intrinsically more appealing than saying, be satisfied with the, 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 the narrative progression of your character's story, even if your character doesn't necessarily grow and change mechanically. The game can, can, in a sense, guarantee mechanical progression. We can't guarantee narrative cohesion and and uh, the individual's satisfaction with their character's journey. So it's kind of a the natural place, I think, to put the sure. idea that here's new stuff. Can that be served also by things that are replacements or substitutes as opposed to things that are additives? So, for example, I think of the ability to swap out spells at certain levels. Because one of the things that turns me off as a player so often is the idea that my character will become unwieldy. That in order to play this character well, I'm going to have to rapidly be able to navigate all six pages of moves or spells or feats or whatever. I guess a counterexample here that I'm thinking about is Primetime Adventures. If you're not familiar, it's a TV drama game. Fantastic game. The, the new edition is really great. Tightens up what was already a very good game. How characters work, they're very simple. You kind of have the concept and you have your issue, which is kind of your the core, the reason why your character is interesting, right? Whatever their, their deal is. And then you have a couple little traits. And the characters don't really gain new stuff, but one of the key things you can do is change your issue as a result of play. And that is very, very satisfying because that game's all about asking questions about what's happening with your character and then resolving them, maybe not necessarily in your favor. And each episode of the show that you're playing highlights a different character. Mm -hmm. So you have a different amount of input into each session. So yeah, it can be really, really satisfying to play out a couple shows and find out that your character has changed their issue. Right. They're no longer 
don't know. No, they're 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 no longer having uh, complicated issues with their father. Now they're a father themselves, and now that's their issue, right? right or something right. like that. So I guess that would be my my clearest example of, of games that I've played where character progression is really swapping things in and out. You, well, and, and you don't still, really yeah. gain like you don't gain a new issue. You don't gain a new edge or whatever it's called. That's like your cool little special thing you can do. You just change them, right? And that's the thing. It really is progression in the sense that it's not accrual. You mm-hmm. leave some one thing behind and you progress on to the next one, right? In right. sort of the same way that that character progression in as an uh, as an unforeseen thing in a lot of or as an unexamined thing in a lot of games is. All right, for example, like the dungeon, right? Progressing to a different module series or a different set of adventures or a different level of a dungeon is character progression in a way, but we don't affix those those traits or those numbers to the character. Your character level isn't based on the highest level dungeon you've been in. It's more the other way around. Right. But there are, there are so many ways to, to look at whether it's in a ludic sense from how the game is modeling something to what the game is modeling to... Uh, whether it's modeling something completely original, which is completely possible, uh, but that ways that we can examine what progression means without just being a, an ongoing, a, a constant uptick of experience points or what have you. Yeah, I mean, I think you you want to examine what progression really means yeah. in context of your game and your design goals. Let me toss some vocab. Just I'm I'm, yeah. I'm thinking right. So there's like we we've said additive, which is absolutely a thing, right? There subtractive, which isn't really necessarily progression, but presumably could be a could be possible. In Odyssey, that happens a little bit, mm-hmm. where you can lose things and and it's for the best. Uh, there's expansion, which is the notion where a character doesn't necessarily get better or taller mechanically. They don't get a, a longer reach. They don't get they don't deal more damage, but they can do more stuff. Mm-hmm. Substitutive or or revision, which the character like like again like in PTA. It's undeniable that the character is, has progressed or changed, but they're not more. There's not more stuff to do. Mm. There's different stuff to do. There's additional tasks to overcome, but that in some ways changes the world more than it changes the character. And in that in that sense, where the the character in the world's relationship in Primetime Adventures is so they're they're it's almost cocker maybe just to, to draw a line between character and setting. In yeah, that it, game. it's conti- it's completely contextual. Yeah. The issue only matters as long as it's in a context where the issue matters. Are there games where your characters don't change? There are. You're asking specifically about RPGs? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Like, I think that's one potential, you know, I don't think either of us like to draw bright lines about this kind. This is this kind of game and not this, but having a, a, a character that does not themselves have some kind of changing something. The changing character does seem to be an RPG-centric thing. Right, I mean, very often in video games, that's what the phrase RPG elements means. That it's a shooter with RPG elements means that the character will change. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of like kind of or can mean that like semi more 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 abstract kind of one shot e kind of games. Oh, that's a good point. You know where you might come. Up, I'm thinking of maybe like a like a Fate Accelerated game or something where it's like character has like one or two descriptors and then you have a couple numbers and then you play for a couple hours. Well, and even though we know that in the game it is possible to change that this mm-hmm. character is not going to change. Yeah, like I'm going to play this character once or twice, and that's it. A lot of times those games use the, the mechanically relevant currency to mm-hmm. represent changing character effectiveness. Like you get, you get to spend more fate points or something. Right. Like, and you build those up, and then you spend them, and it's less rewriting your aspects. Right. But you could, I guess. So one of the things I think about are, are inputs and hooks, and these are kind of the same thing, but not necessarily. But are the all how many different ways are there to change a character? First of all, for every tra- every trait you have is a a place where a character can change, 
And in theory, that number could go up or down. Generally, they just go up and up and up, but that's fine. Then, for example, like D&D has, has had multiple different kinds of hooks over the years, from proficiencies to feats to spells to magic items, how these are do or do not relate to the character. Apocalypse World is mostly its stats and its moves. Those are huge wells of possible different ways to do that um, and to change those numbers or to change those moves. And then the moves have their own little structure and those can have little things inside of them. Mm-hmm. I think about this in terms of if you look at a game in which a character only – like look at uh, My Life with Master, mm-hmm. right? Or um, – uh, Mar, uh, Mars Colony. Mars Colony. The length of the game is in some ways expressed by how many stats there are in, in, in a lot of games. And these games are good examples in that there are only so many ways to change those characters. There's only so many combinations of traits or, or, or numbers or stats or whatever it is. And then you look at something like Fate, which has very few numbers. The scale is pretty tight. But because it has, if you will, instead of having like, a, like radio buttons or instead of having checkboxes, it has a text field as a stat. Mm-hmm. Your aspect is whatever, just type 50 characters in here. Anything can go in that box. So if you look at it from that that analog digital kind of style, fate has almost an infinite number of permutations or an infinite number of character adaptations in which you say, ah, but now I'm removing this word and changing it to this other word so that my character changes in this way mm-hmm. and that this this stunt becomes better or whatever it is, which is not, I'm completely simplifying and sort of shortchanging how fate actually functions here. Compare that to sheets from Rollmaster or for Cyberpunk or... Uh, like, for example, uh, in Dark, where I put everything on the same XP scale and it's all just checkboxes so that you can immediately tell how much XP was spent. You can get a sense of how advanced the character is and all this other stuff. I was worried that Dark didn't have enough dif- – that as because, it, because you're just checking off boxes, as your characters get better, they learn more and more of the same skills and they overlap more and more. And I was concerned that that would be a real problem mm-hmm. for keeping the characters distinct and special and yeah, definitive of, of the player's input. And there are two ways then that I that, to approach that. And one was that I just sat down and did the math on how many permutations there are for how many different ways are there to spend XP in this game. How much XP do I need before I've literally ticked every box? And it's a big number. <laughs> so I felt, okay, good. Nobody's going to play the game that long. Yeah. Or if they do, then, then they deserve to be good at all this stuff. But the other thing was that we added a, an element where, because st- uh, uh, skills in Dark are only rated on a scale of three or roughly to four. So if you only have three points in skills and you've got about 20 skills, you know, there are only so many ways to, to be good at combat or good at traverse or good at arcana and not be like sally over here who is has more she's got all three ticks in arcana and so all i'm ever going to seem like is like i'm not as good as her character is or uh, we both have two ticks and how is that different how are we not just the same character right so there's the system in dark where each tick represents a different kind a different flavor of point aptitude education and experience so that your character might start with an aptitude and then you can express that, well, my character has an education and has been doing this a long time, but I had no knack for it. I never sure. discovered and it. Sure, and so those yeah. are like flavoring exactly. or texturing the experience that mechanically is, is basically the same. Exactly. But it's giving you uh, a narrative dimension to, to continue differentiating the characters at the table. Right. There's the, the notion of experience itself to maybe touch back on this where how abstract do you have your your experience experience be <laughs> um and so on one end of the scale thank you for laughing i'm sorry i just i know it's just i love the expression your experience experience right. be no so uh on the one end you have the, the the notion that is now a very basic accepted you have experience points you accumulate them from doing stuff Right. Then you spend them to get stuff. And then at the other end, you can have your, your entire experience system actually being modeled by other things that do things. 
in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, my example here I'm thinking of is uh, Remember Tomorrow yeah. is a cyberpunk game, a very Gibsonian, arguably Gibsonian specifically game. Characters have goals that are player authored. And then you have these kind of metrics that kind of split the difference of being stats and also being kind of gates for your mm-hmm. um, whether you get your goal or not. So your character changes all the time, actually, because you have all these things you can check and uncheck about whether you're whether you, uh, they're positive, negative conditions. So whether you're armed or whether you're trapped or whether you're have the cash or whether you know right. whatever those check and uncheck depending on when you use them and what you use them for and stuff. And those are all the things that I think in a, an a abstract experience system, you'd be spending points to get those things probably. Hmm. And then when your character actually gets their goal, which is a mechanically gated thing, you have to get three checks in your three um, ready, willing, and able stats. That is also saying that your character is now ready, willing, and able to get their goal. And then that means they get it and they, they exit the game. They're out of the narrative. You may play someone else or whatever. So that has the, the character retirement thing as a end state. Right. It has character progression across a couple dimensions, both positive and negative. And it uses your your character's stats as uh, uh, meters for how experienced you are in those things and how able you are right. to get them. Yeah. Without ever having an abstract XP set of currency that you gain and spend. So there you go. There's one example of non-abstract experience that's very impactful to the game. And there, uh, there, are, there are examples in which that is not their sole case. Like I love in, in Call of Cthulhu when you get certain outstanding results, good or bad, on the dice, and maybe it may only be bad now, I can't remember, that you can check the box and therefore get a chance to earn XP in that, or uh, not a chance, but you, get, you earn XP in that skill. So it is a direct reflection of what you've actually done And this is a tricky thing sometimes to get across in gumshoe. If I have three points in archaeology, which makes me like a world-class archaeologist, and I spend one of them, I don't forget anything. So I still have a rating of three, but I can only three times show off how great I am. So that's the extent to which it's like a spotlight mechanic, right? So because build points and XP are the same thing in that game, earning XP is either a direct statement of what the character's been through, or and and and, they, and Gumshoe games talk wonderfully about how this about the ways this is true. Or it is setting up the reveal of something that has been true this whole time, and we just haven't talked about it. And some games can adapt to that very well, and some games can't. It's very very hard, I think, in D and D to, in some cases, say, "But I've known Fireball all along." Well, then why then why did three out right. of four members of our party die last week, dude? What's well, wrong with you? And this is another element of this, but that's also a matter of the in-game in-fiction kind of causal logic. Right. Right? In the D&D world, and I think this gets way back to when I said two things, but then we only talked about one. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. The second one, which was about genre, how much does RPG stuff influence genre writing? Uh, you see that with the D&D licensed tie-in novels or whatever. Mm-hmm. Clearly, this is a party of fifth-level adventurers or whatever because you know what spells they have in the book and you know what level of character can cast those spells. And so there's like an in fiction kind of causal logic of people start off like wizards start off not knowing very much and they have to learn the new spells and they only gain the ability to learn new spells by by having these life-changing adventures and and fighting stuff and right. solving problems or, or and whatever yeah, finding glowing cubes right. in the deepest most evil places. Yeah, right, and like right. sometimes they get a, you know, or they get a scroll and it's like, well, I, I can read it, but I can't remember it, right? Or whatever. And that's yeah. just how this world works. 
Well, in Gumshoe Games, there's that sense of being able to have a reveal, which is very in genre and is also mechanically represented by this by the experience system where you can be like, right. oh, and I have this point of archaeology now on my sheet that I didn't have last session. But in the world, since no one ever asked me about archaeology, you know, it, had, it just hasn't come up before. But now, thankfully, we're doing this, this scenario that centers around a dig in the Middle East. And hey, guys, guess, here's this relevant knowledge that just hasn't come up before. Right. That's an example of how XP can reflect setting and genre, or it can reinforce setting and genre, or setting and genre may have to adapt to the way we decided that XP works and progression works in this game. You know, and, 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 and it's for example, right? Like D&D's is serving two jobs in a way, which is that it's, a ve- it's very game forward in the sense that the magic system is, is chosen and curated over many, many years for the purposes of, among other things, but being tiered so that it moves through levels and moves through various advances very, very nicely and very orderly. That's right. The there, yeah. there could be a system in which you buy spells XP by XP or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or like where it's a fictionally prescriptive system. When stuff happens in the game, maybe you can spend XP to uh, make that permanent forever. Right. right? Or uh, even a, a game. Right but you can't, but you can't spend it abstractly to be like, I want to spend fire. I want to learn fireball now. Like you'd have to, it has to be present in the, in the world somewhere, yeah. which means in other words, it has to be in an agreement tacit or otherwise with a GM or another player or whatever right. it is. Yeah. Yeah. I actually love the idea of, of systems in which the actions that we take instead of imagine that instead of rolling damage, I'm rolling X, XP. Yeah. Right. And that I'm, so I, you know, well, goblin, I kill it automatically. But do I learn anything from it? Mm-hmm. Well, no. I you you learn you get one d two XP from it. So you accrue XP throughout as you go, as opposed to XP you know that just gets poured on you at the end of the session or something, um, or that you find in a in a bucket, um, in a chest or a, a barrel somewhere. And I, I, whenever possible, I like to try to make to show XP being spent or or used or or learned in a game where it's that notion of this XP represents this thing that you found, or you can, I will give you a scroll of the spell that you want your character to learn so that it, so we can see it happen or whatever it is. It's kind of who serves which, right? So the, when the text and the fiction serve the metagame or just the game, really, the game is the meta text in a way. It's above the text. And it's saying, I have to be able to, at some point in this dungeon between this week and next week, learn this spell because right. I just bought it. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go down there unless I can buy it. And we're not going back to town, so we have to figure out a way to reconcile this. And it's, and the answer is sometimes no, no, we don't. Just buy it. We we just won't worry about it. That's, yeah. Well, we'll leave it in the meta text. We'll, well that's talk why about it. that's why it's a, an abstract currency. So right. you don't have to. Right. So we don't have to have that argument all the time. Right. I've been moving design wise away from XP as being completely abstract, and I don't. And that's I think just a taste of mine. Mm-hmm. That's something. It's a fashion that I'm enjoying. But you're absolutely right in that right there it doesn't it doesn't there's nothing wrong with abstract XP. There's a lot of advantages that have kind of stood the test of time, right? As we were saying, having to always fictionally justify character changes means that sometimes the fiction and what you want for your character aren't going to align, which can create friction and 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 problems at the table. Which is just even very simply an issue of I mean that just that, that's just a a collaborative issue for multiple authors at the table, which is what an RPG is, right? Because otherwise if you don't want to dramatize a change in a character, for example, then you shouldn't be writing a novel about it. <laughs> but also, but you're not writing a novel about it. You're playing a game about right. it. And you're all trying to author your individual characters. Yeah. I guess the the very basic like friction I'm seeing is, I don't know, some system where to learn archaeology in the game, you'd have to like go to archaeology school or something, right? And right. it's just like not part of the game that you're playing right now. It's just not part of the story. 
that you can conceivably slip off to archaeology school. So you leave that to being, oh, during downtime, that's when you do these things to learn new skills or you just spend the points and we don't need to fictionally justify where you learned your archaeology. It just appears on your sheet and maybe comes up and maybe it doesn't. And so much of that stems from what we've talked about, about how what the game is about and how it is about it, right? Which is that if it's not ridiculous to have a system in which you have to go to archaeology school if your game is literally about people who meet every year to do a thing. Right. Well, like, again, if you're playing Ars Magica, then yeah. you're going to play out your learning magic stuff. You're creating a new kind right. of spell. You're playing yeah, whole years go by. Yeah, right. Yeah. If you're playing Gumshoe, you're not going to play the part where you're in school unless you're in some kind of weird crime caper that takes place while you're attending archaeology school that that could there's a great bubble gumshoe game in there (laughs) i know maybe put a button on this for now because clearly there's more we could delve into think thinking critically about why the characters change and what you can do in your game to reflect that maybe disassociating that reflection from experience points those are two different tracks that often converge but also don't have to. Hey, Nathan, you remember all that stuff that we talked about like an hour ago? We were just kind of talking and we talked about a whole bunch of stuff that people are going to be able to listen to if they want to. Remember that time? I do remember that time. What the hell are we going to do with all that audio? I was thinking that we should post it as a special backers only segment for our Patreon backers. I love it. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's do that. Because it's, uh, it's not a specific uh, single topic conversation like most of the podcasts, but it is us talking about games and things around games. It's, it's good stuff, and I, I was, it's absolutely the kind of thing I would love to hear from both of our uh, uh, backer groups more about. So if you want to hear this mysterious conversation that we're talking about, you can subscribe to one of our Patreons. Or both. But probably Nathan's, which is at patreon.com slash ndpaletta. Or subscribe to Wills at patreon.com slash wordwill. Thanks again for listening to the Design Games Podcast. You can check out the older episodes as well as maybe ask us some questions at designgamespodcast.com. Help us find listeners and help listeners find us by giving us ratings and reviews at your favorite podcast dispensary such as iTunes or SoundCloud. What do people even say at the end of a podcast? What happens if it just...